Welcome back to the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Show Ali, Matt Marchese with you on this waiver wire and trade deadline edition of the show. Always pleased to be able to break things down, certainly from a waiver wire perspective, but a pretty busy trade deadline means we have a kind of secondary part to this podcast, which we don't always get to do. So trades are always fun, Matt. Fake trades are always fun, but real trades are always so much better. Um, But why don't we get to the waiver wire pickups first? We'll kind of mix in the trades shortly afterwards, but it was a pretty busy uh, week eight across the NFL, and it actually started. I will okay. I, I always trip myself up with this. I guess it technically started on Thursday, right? The Thursday night game. Uh, well, you know, it was it wasn't the barn burner I think we all expected to to say the least. But the uh, the Sunday slate of games got started pretty early in London between the Broncos and Jaguars, and you know it's funny. You and I do the text line questions, and of course, people can text us at 590-590 every Sunday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern, and we answer all of those questions on and off the air, and a lot of the questions, like I, I would say a good like 20 to 25% of the questions had to do with the Broncos, and specifically, especially with guys like Kelsey on by and... David Njoku, for example, who was a popular pickup, who you championed, for example, he was injured. So a lot of people looking for tight end help. Well, the Broncos rookie, Greg Dulcich, Dulcich Deleche coming through in London. He is, uh, he, I, I think there's a real chance he, Matt, could be a top 10 tight end by the end of the year if he's not already, but he is rostered in 42% of Yahoo leagues. If he is somehow available out there and you need tight end help, you should be running to go pick him up, I would think. Yeah, he's double-digit fantasy points in two of three weeks that he's played in half-point PPR. In full-point PPR, he's been double digits every single week. He's now playing the majority of the snaps at tight end for the Denver Broncos. And part of the reason why he's been so relevant is that Cortland Sutton has been pretty much irrelevant. Jerry Judy's kind of taken over that top spot, and and Cortland Sutton is kind of lost in the woods here. Greg Dolchich has absolutely picked up the slack. And, and what's really interesting about Dolchich is there was some talk in camp about him eventually taking over the tight end one role from Albert O. o- Ogwebunum, I believe is how you say yeah. it. And he's, and he's been basically on the sidelines. He hasn't even played um, the last couple of weeks. And Dolchich has been incredible. I read a stat today that Greg Dolchich has as many tight end one weeks as George Kittle, Tyler Higby, and there was a couple of, uh, maybe Hawkinson was in there, but there was a couple of guys. He has as many tight end one weeks as like some of the bigger name tight ends that we expect production from week in and week out. And he's only played three games. So go out. <laughs> if Greg Dolchich is available, run to your waiver wire tonight. And and if you need help, you know what? Even if you're, I you know, especially with this week, because this week is, um, like the Broncos are on the bye, so you won't get to use them this week. But as the season starts to progress, you know, Mark Andrews is dealing with an injury. David yeah. Njoku is yeah. dealing with an injury. Yeah, go out and get him, even just to stash him on your bench in case of injury, because we know how volatile the tight end position is. And if you can go wrap up a guy who's going to put in week in and week out, like top eight fantasy tight end numbers, you got to go wrap him up. 
Yeah, I got to order some Delchich de Leche because he has been, uh, again, a, a very sh- small sample size. But and, and a lot of it does depend on whether or not you think Russell Wilson is going to continue to be relatively efficient uh, after what was a pretty awful start to the year, like by any metric. But if he even is approaches how he looked in London and he certainly continues to target Delchich, then like like we said, it's just such a wasteland at tight end. So any help you can get, especially with guys on by, guys injured, Waller again, snake bit with the injury this year. Kelsey was on by last week. He's back, but in Joku, uh, you know, are you really, I, I, you really want to be looking at Taysom Hill every single week with the kind of gimmick he brings. Obviously he's a talented guy, but it's just, there are a lot of not so great options at tight end on a week to week basis. So if you can get any sort of chunk guy like Dulcich, then I think you can absolutely, you should absolutely be running to the waiver wire and putting in a, a claim for him for tomorrow or putting in some kind of fab bid claim, whatever it might be priority fab. I think it's definitely worth it for Greg. Dulcich out of Denver. Um, a couple of wide receivers to get to as well. Josh Palmer and Terrace Marshall Jr. I got to say, on we've talked about Palmer before, Canadian, of course, Canada's own, and we'll, we'll get to Palmer in a second, but on Marshall Jr., he is rostered in just 1% of Yahoo leagues, Matt. I remember when he was drafted, I, I remember thinking... This kid is a freak athlete. Like, he is just an insanely athletic human being. Like, the kind of person I feel like you wouldn't be too shocked to see at the Olympics, for example, is this kid. And and then, like, Matt Rule put him in, like, wide receiver jail in Carolina. And I got to say, it is astonishing what that team looks like without Matt Rule at its helm. Like, it looks like a completely different team. And I know, like, it's helped when you can see, like, insane plays, like P.J. Walker with seconds to go maybe with one of the most impressive individual throws I have ever seen. Like, on on the move, throws away, places it right in the hands of DJ Moore as he get, hits the end zone, and they still somehow lost that game. Like, that was an insane game. But Terrace Marshall Jr., rostered in just 1%. I don't know if things keep up for, for old PJ. I honestly don't. But if they do, he you know, you, you want a piece of that offense because they seem to have things humming right now against the, against bad teams. Yeah, and and because there's so many division games, they're going to keep playing bad teams yeah. because that division is absolutely awful. Um, Terrace Marshall Jr., second-round pick, it, and and he was, you know, an LSU, his last year, he got hurt. He played seven games. He had 48 catches and 731 yards and 10 touchdowns in seven games for LSU that year. That last time I checked is pretty good. And he's coming off of a nine-target game against the Falcons. He's played over 80% of the snaps the last two weeks. He's the clear wide receiver, too, in this offense. And... You know, if PJ Walker continues to play well and they let him throw the ball a little bit, you know, Ter- it's not a team that's going to be in low scoring games because their defense can't stop a nosebleed and they're going to have to throw the ball to stay in games because, oh yeah, they they lost that Christian McCaffrey guy. Not that Deonta Foreman has been bad because he's been pretty good, but without McCaffrey, that's another that's another wave of targets that's coming in. They don't have Robbie Anderson there anymore. DJ Moore has picked it up, yes. But somebody has to pick up the slack, and I do believe that that guy is Terrace Marshall Jr., and please don't call him Terrence. 
I actually, when I was reading his name, I remember when he was a rookie, I remember thinking, am I just mispronouncing his name? Like, is there's it a, Terrence? There's a spelling mistake here. <laughs> Up and everywhere, down. there's a spelling mistake. <laughs> yeah, li- literally everywhere his name has been written, there is a spelling mistake. That's legit what I thought, but no, his name is actually Terrace Marshall Jr. Again, rostered in just 1% of Yahoo Leagues. And I mentioned our uh, Canadian pal, Josh Palmer. Again, like the, the hamstring thing for Keenan Allen has been nagging him essentially all season. Shame, shame on me for buying into Keenan Allen, I guess, because you met, you made this comment during the show a couple weeks ago, but Brian Robinson Jr. returned faster from gunshot wounds than Keenan Allen did from hamstring injuries. Like it's just, I, I think the kind of nagging injuries are the worst because when a guy tears his ACL or you're like, okay, this guy is done for the season. He's going to heal up. He's going to get the surgery in a couple of days once the inflammation dies down, and he's going to be back next year. ACL injuries are not the the death knell for careers they once were like 20 years ago or whatever, but hamstring injuries are so tough because they can flare up. They can be inflamed for so long. They, they kind of linger for forever, it feels like. So, I mean, look, I'm not, I am by no means a high-performance athlete, Matt, but I pulled my hamstring a couple of weeks ago, and I, it feels like my leg is going to fall off. And I can only imagine what it's like if you were trying to play actual professional football. So I, I don't blame Keenan Allen, but I wish they would just like put him on IR or something so you can have a little bit more clarity as to what's happening here. Either way, Keenan Allen... Mike Williams also suffering the injury in the, their previous game. So Josh Palmer, Canada's own, uh, I think is, is like you say, is probably uh, worthy of a pickup. Yeah. And I mean, I think that Keenan Allen's going to be back this week. They oh, had the please. bye and he was so. close before, but I mean, I'm not sure. We know Mike Williams is out. Mike Williams has a high ankle sprain. That's usually at least a month. It could be longer. And, and Josh Palmer the last time that we saw him still was a couple weeks ago because he missed last week the the last time that the Chargers played as well. And in that game, he had 12 targets, nine catches for 57 yards. He does well when one of Keenan Allen or Mike Williams is out of the lineup. And this seems to be an ongoing trend. And if he's not rostered anywhere, he's absolutely worth a shot. Listen, I don't think that the Chargers offense is going to be as bad as we've seen it be. You know, Justin Herbert has the extra week to to recover. We, that's that that rib injury is still lingering. It didn't just go away. He's been getting beaten up all season long, and hopefully, this week off has rejuvenated not only Justin Herbert but the entire Chargers offense. I think that they're going to come out of the gate. They get the Falcons in their first game out of the gate. I think they'll be just fine, and I think that Josh Palmer is going to play a big part in that. We always want to attach ourselves when we're talking about wide receivers to good quarterbacks. And this is a player that it has a good quarterback. Josh Palmer absolutely should be on your radar. If you have some wide receiver troubles and this is the bye week from hell, six teams on a bye and some really good players out. Josh Palmer is a guy that you should try and lock up. Brampton's own Josh Palmer rostered in just 27%. Of Yahoo League. So yeah, if uh, if Keenan Allen is out or if he's limited in any way and Mike Williams definitely out. And like you said, against the Falcons of all teams, like this this is a team we just finished talking about the Panthers. This is a team that that uh that PJ Walker just cooked. So I would imagine Josh Palmer will feel, will get a starring role here. I would imagine DJ Moore will and so will Dante Foreman, who has been absolutely phenomenal since becoming the new RB1 in Carolina. But I I definitely think that if uh, those guys can cook the Falcons defense, I would imagine just 
Justin Herbert and company can as well. Our final waiver wire pickup uh, before we get to the trade deadline discussions. Isaiah Pacheco rostered in just 34% of Yahoo leagues. He boomed us the other the other week, Matt. Okay, we were like, oh man, Isaiah Pacheco is going to be the starting running back for the for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's got the he got the first team reps all weekend. He's doing this. He's doing that. It was all this great stuff, and then he did nothing. He did absolutely nothing. It was it was not so great for anyone who dropped players to pick him up or uh, perhaps started him like I did. Uh, wasn't <laughs> wasn't a great situation, but rostered in 34% of Yahoo leagues. Why are you convinced people should be uh, rostering Pacheco now? Well, probably because there's just not much out there and <laughs> there's a chance that he could be a running back that if, if there's an injury to Clyde Edwards, Alaire, he's going to walk into touches. Um, and we've, we've seen this, like we saw it with James Cook coming out of the bye with Buffalo. We saw James Cook used a little bit more than he was. Granted, it was only six touches, but he turned the six touches into like 78 yards, and he almost had as many yards as Devin Singletary did on like 16 touches. So the way I look at it is this. When teams go on their bye, rookies get a little bit more acquainted with the offense. Coaches figure out how this player fits, how they can you know, bring them into the fold more, how they can use them in different ways. And I think Isaiah Pacheco falls into that category as well. He's a rookie. He's He was used a little bit more as the season progressed. He was named the quote-unquote starter. And I know that means squat. I get that. But it to me, it signaled that this team is looking for a different type of runner than what Clyde Edwards-Alaire is. And Isaiah Pacheco is a very hard runner. Like when you watch him, he is a violent runner. And I think that that's what that offense needs because it gives them a little bit of, it diversifies their offense out of the backfield. Clyde Edwards-Alaire is a guy who runs outside the tackles, not inside the tackles. And and the, the last time that a running back had success in that offense, it was Kareem Hunt. And Isaiah Pacheco is more Kareem Hunt than he is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. When you look at the waiver wire, it's there's not there's not a lot to choose from in terms of running back help. But Isaiah Pacheco, if he's available, again, attached to a good offense, and we've seen how many t- touchdowns Clyde Edwards-Alaire has scored this year, what happens if he gets hurt? Isaiah Pacheco walks into touchdowns. Maybe he runs into touchdowns at that point. But you're getting a guy with, the, with a really high ceiling in case of injury. And again, the waiver wire is really thin at running back. Isaiah Pacheco could end up being, you know, a, a league winner if Clyde Edwards-Alaire were to go down. Well, I mean, you say he runs in. I, I mean, he's a running back. I certainly hope he runs in. No, he's not a walking Well, back. I mean, I don't know. Have you seen some of the touchdowns Clyde <laughs> Edwards-Alaire scored this it's year? True. He literally walked in some. It is true. There were some pretty gaping holes and got, like, there were some touchdowns. When you look back at some of those replays, it, like, and you just zo- you zoom out a little bit, there's, like, no one within, like, 10 feet of him on some of these plays, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it's true. I, I think, you know, like we always say, you want the pieces of the best offenses for the most part. And certainly Isaiah Pacheco is a part of that. And like you said, if uh, anything does happen to CEH, then whether it's illness, which is something that afflicted him last year or an injury or what have you, then yeah, you definitely want to own Pacheco. So that's the quick look at the waiver wire options for this week ahead of week nine in the NFL, Greg Dulcich, Josh Palmer, Terrace Marshall Jr. And Isaiah Pacheco. And um, you mentioned Kareem Hunt, which of course leads us to the trade deadline discussion here. Cause of course the deadline, 
deadline was at 4 p.m. Eastern earlier today. So now it's been a couple hours since the deadline. We're recording this, so you can kind of look back and see some of the fallout around the NFL. Uh, some defensive players traded, and I mean, we don't. You and I don't really cover IDP. We could, I suppose, but I think that most people, when they play fantasy football, discuss the offensive players. I, I gotta say, even though there there were a flurry of moves. I don't think any one move is going to be super impactful league winning type of moves this year in terms of fantasy football. Um, There are a couple that I wanted to highlight here in terms of offensive players being traded. So I'm going to list a couple of them. Then we can just go through a couple of these trades real quick, Matt. So TJ Hawkinson was traded from the lions to the Vikings. I, I think that's a great thing for the Vikings, certainly giving Kirk cousins more targets and helping take pressure off of guys like, uh, certainly Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen and KJ Osborne Herb Smith jr. Injured. So it still gives them a, a pretty dynamic passing game target, which I really like. So I, I'm not sure what that means to the lions. Like it, it's kind of feels like to me that if you're trading away and again, I don't know if Hawkinson is a foundational piece necessarily, but if you're trying to prep a lions team for drafting, like Bryce young or something next week, next year, or like CJ Stroud or what have you. Like if you're trying to prep the lions for that, you, you would think you want to keep TJ Hawkinson and not trade him away. But either way, Hawkinson is on his way to Minnesota. Uh, Naheem Hines has been traded from the Colts to the bills. Zach Moss going back to the Colts as a part of, along with some draft pick compensation. So, I'm not sure if you should be rushing to go pick up Deion Jackson as your backup to Jonathan Taylor just yet. But at the same time, Naheem Hines is going to be a Buffalo Bill. Uh, Chase Claypool traded from the Pittsburgh Steelers to the Chicago Bears. And then a couple of uh, swaps for the Dolphins and Broncos here. Jeff Wilson going from San Francisco to the Dolphins. And then Chase Edmonds going from the Dolphins to the Broncos. So those are probably some of the biggest trades of the uh, of the afternoon on the offensive fantasy football side of things. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give you give you the choice, Matt. Dealer's choice. Where do you want to start? Well, we can start. Let's start with Hawkinson okay. because, first of all, not very often do intra divisional trades yeah. happen. And that one was a bit of a shocker. I figured TJ Hawkinson was available. I did not figure that he was going to the Minnesota Vikings. And then we found out that Irv Smith Jr. is going to be out. Uh, he was put on the IR, and I think he was like eight to 10 weeks he was going to miss. So essentially, he's done for the rest of the season, which is why they acquired TJ Hawkinson. I'd like the fit. I, because like for real football, I think it's a great addition. That's an offense that can keep up with anybody as long as the quarterback doesn't turn the ball over, which he's done a pretty good job of not doing. But for fantasy purposes, I don't love this. Like we saw Irv Smith be up and down. Irv Smith never really became the tight end that we thought he was going to be. And I'm saying it like it's the end of his career, but it's probably the end of his time in Minnesota. You can almost make the argument that TJ Hawkinson is much of the same because we were hearing things like this guy is going to be like Travis Kelsey. That's how good he can be. And, And he may end up being that guy. It could happen one day. But I don't think that it's going to happen in this offense with the weapons that are already there. I think he gets a boost because I think he gets more consistent quarterback play and hopefully he makes the most of the of the volume that he gets, which I don't believe is going to be very high. But I do think that he slots ahead of KJ Osborne in terms of, of target share. Uh, Dalvin Cook is obviously still in the mix and Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson are at the top of that list. So if he slots in at three or maybe four, it's probably three. It's not a horrible landing spot, but I mean, the the production might be a little bit more consistent, but I don't know if we're going to get him, you know, the pop-off 
type of production where you look and go, that's a guy that I absolutely need to start every single week. Yeah, like I think TJ Hawkinson will probably be one of those spot start type of tight ends. But then again, like that's kind of what he was already, right? Like I just, it doesn't really, like, I don't feel like it changes his value too, too much. Like it probably does make him take a bit of a hit just because Kirk Cousins throws the ball to Justin Jefferson a whole hell of a lot. And may, maybe at best it, he usurps Adam Thielen. If everything goes TJ Hawkinson's way, perhaps, because just because Adam Thielen is getting a little long on the tooth right now. But having said that, I mean, if you're, if you're looking at, yeah, if you're looking at fantasy value again, tight end, we talk about this every single, every single week, and we probably will until the end of time. Tight end is so barren that I, I think he obviously is still someone you can start. I feel like most weeks, but generally speaking, yeah, I think uh, it, it, you're, you're not going to be expecting more. Like if you get like seven points or like five to six points, maybe even uh, being a little less generous at a Hawkinson most weeks, even on the Vikings, you probably think to yourself, okay, that's a win. That's a, that's a huge win on the, on the flip side. I would imagine this is a uptick in target share for basically all wide receivers in Detroit. Like I can only imagine it just means more passes going to Deandre Swift and more passes going to uh, the sun. God, I'm going St. Brown. I would hope that more go to DeAndre Swift because he played this week and it was an absolute disaster. Definitely did not get what we thought we were going to get. No. Although he did have five, he did have five catches, but the rushing numbers were certainly not there. I think he had two or three rushing attempts. I wonder if he's banged up, but yes, give me all of the DeAndre Swift work as humanly possible. Give him 10 targets a game. I don't care. I'd be happy with that. Cause you know me, I'm a big DeAndre Swift fan. Um, that offense is going to hurt, though, because TJ Hawkinson, the one thing he does really well that we don't talk enough about is he's one of the better blockers at the tight end position. So that's where guys like DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams are going to be hurt. Um, but the, the Lions don't care about our fantasy teams. They're trying to get the first overall pick. Yeah, exactly. Maybe, hey, maybe that does mean uh, good things for Dalvin Cook. I mean, obviously, Dalvin Cook is still one of the better running backs in the NFL, so it can only mean better things for guys like Dalvin Cook. But yeah, I think that's a it's a, it's an interesting when you look at the kind of tertiary fallout for guys like uh, for guys like Hawkinson and and the blocking, which is not exactly quantified in in fantasy statistics at the very least, right? Um, let's stick with the running backs here, and there's a trio of running backs I had mentioned before that all got traded today: Naheem Hines, Jeff Wilson Jr., Chase Edmonds. Uh, let's start with Hines, who is a member of your Buffalo Bills now, Mr. Marchese. Um, again, I don't think, like, it, to me, it's not a, a super impactful trade beyond this probably simply signaling the Bills felt like the depth after Singletary wasn't where they wanted it to be. So it means Zach Moss is now no longer a Bill. He is now on the Colts. It probably does damper slightly the outlook for James Cook because they kind of both do the same thing now. And I mean, at, at the end of the day, Josh Allen doesn't throw the ball to running backs just a lot, right? He either takes off himself or he is throwing it down the field to Gabriel Davis or certainly Stephon Diggs or any of the wide receivers. So it, it, I don't think it's the most impactful fantasy trade. It just does feel like a depth move for what the Bills hope will be a, re, a, a very deep real life Super Bowl run. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's just the depth. Zach Moss was was not getting it done, and he gets a fresh start in Indianapolis where he's probably the backup to Jonathan Taylor. But Naheem Hines fills a role. And I and honestly, show I I I don't I don't know how much it, it affects James Cook a little bit, but I don't think anybody was relying on James Cook outside of an injury anyway. Although I have to start him in our work league because I am just ravaged by bye weeks. And injuries. However, having said that, 
Um, I think what the Bills did is they just added another weapon that they needed. I, I think that's what it is. I, I think that for fantasy purposes, both Naheem Hines and James Cook are basically waiting for an injury to Devin Singletary. Devin Singletary's getting, you know, 15 to 17 touches a game and nobody else is, is coming close to double digits. So that's the way this offense is going to operate. Um, is he, is Naheem Hines worth going to pick up? I mean, maybe, but I, I wouldn't have too many expectations for that. The offense is thrown to the running back position more this season, but it's not, it's not something where you look at it and go, okay, like we need to lock up, you know, the pass catching back in this offense, much like, you know, in previous incarnations of Tom Brady's offense with James White, like you're not going to see that here. So is he worth a pickup? Maybe if you're, if you're kind of hurting in, in the depth department at running back, but I still think that if Devin Singletary were to go down, I think James Cook is the back to own just because he's going to get the early down work. And then if that were to happen, then I think Naheem Hines slides in nicely, but they're going to be able to use Naheem Hines out of the backfield, out of the slot. Like he's a very, very adept pass catcher. And I think the Bills just did this just to have another weapon that they can use it in different facets of the game. So you and I have talked a lot about uh, about handcuffs today, right? We talked about Pacheco and like what what could be if another guy gets injured. It's kind of the same conversation to a certain degree with Naheem Hines as to you know him and Cook are kind of just waiting for something to happen to Singletary, like you mentioned. Uh, it's kind of the same. It feels like for Jeff Wilson Jr. Like first of like he was he was definitely serviceable before the CMC trade and after Eli Mitchell was injured. But uh, with Jeff Wilson Jr. being dealt to Miami, certainly going to to play for his uh, former coach, Mike McDaniel, Jeff Wilson Jr., now a Miami Dolphin. I, I imagine, again, handcuff-wise, this means that, one, Wilson Jr. is now Mostert's handcuff because Mostert had basically completely taken over that backfield. I mean, I really hope we don't see some kind of committee now that we now that we have like a recreation of what was happening in San Francisco in Miami. I certainly hope it remains Raheem Mostert's backfield as long as he is healthy. So again, if if health affects Mostert negatively in some way, then yeah, Jeff Wilson Jr. obviously becomes very valuable. But that's that's kind of how I view it. He is now Mostert's handcuff, and then also the fallout from that in San Francisco is that Eli Mitchell is clearly the CMC handcuff and Mitchell I don't think is has come back to practice relatively recently anyway so again it's kind of like it's kind of like a negligible move in the end barring injuries to one of Raheem Mostert or, or Christian McCaffrey yeah I, I would agree with that like Eli Mitchell I'm assuming they made this trade because they're getting closer to having Elijah Mitchell back right that's what that's what my guess would be um Jeff Wilson though he's in an interesting spot just because that offense has been better than we, th- not the offense, but Raheem Moser has been better than we thought he was going to be. Everybody had Chase Edmonds, who we're going to get to in a second, penciled in as the guy in that offense because they paid him a bunch of money and that just didn't work. And Raheem Moser gets a one-year deal and all of a sudden he becomes the running back and they trade away Chase Edmonds. So I, I do think that there is value because the Miami offense has been really good. And the San Francisco offense, ever since acquiring Christian McCaffrey, go figure, is also really good. Both of those guys should be rostered, especially if you have Mostert, especially if you have McCaffrey. They should absolutely be rostered. So they're they're worth uh, speculative ads because, again, both offenses playing really well. And Elijah Mitchell was good for the Niners before they acquired Christian McCaffrey. So I, I think that there's some there's some optimism there 
in case he were to go down. And like we said, Jeff Wilson, he had some familiarity with Mike McDaniel, who was previously with the San Francisco 49ers, as we know. And, and Jeff Wilson has shown in his time when the starter goes down, he's more than a viable fill-in. So I don't hate the move if you want to go pick him up because I know I know I've dropped Jeff Wilson in a bunch of leagues, and I'm sure other people have, and I'm sure he's readily available in a lot of leagues. I kept him in our work league because we're in a 14 team league and I basically have to like, I basically, I knew that if I dropped him like you or Josh or, or like one of those other guys, Boffo was going to pick him, snap him up immediately. So I thought to myself, you know what? I'm going to die with Jeff Wilson jr. On my roster. That's it. So that's, that's it. That's what you got to do in these, in these larger leagues. Um, let's get to chase Edmonds and then we'll do uh chase Claypool. The two chases getting traded today. Uh, chase Edmonds. He had like, he was one of those guys or I, I definitely thought like, you know, he followed the money a little bit, kind of like the Christian Kirk thing. He was paid a lot of money to come in and be, you would think the guy. And apart from a couple of very short touchdowns, he, his, his tenure in Miami was, was not very memorable traded to the Denver Broncos. And again, I like, I guess there's a chance this could be impactful, but it certainly seems to me like in the wake of the injury to Javante Williams, it is a full blown committee. I mean, certainly Mike Boone was put on the IR. So now you have, Latavius Murray, you have Chase Edmonds, and you have, of course, Melvin Gordon himself to all contend with. Honestly, at this point, it is anyone's guess as to who will be the more reliable targets on any given basis. The Broncos are also off this week, so you you won't see any, you won't get any answers or any clarity on this situation until week 10. So that's, that's something to keep in mind. Chase Edmonds might be available on your waiver wire, depending on the size of your league or the size of benches, for example. But again, I don't think that this is, it's probably not, a move that makes people run to the waiver wire to pick up chase Edmonds, at least for week nine, maybe in week 10, when we get some more coach speak to parse through from Nathaniel Hackett, maybe then, but not right now. Yeah. Here's why it's interesting to me. Melvin Gordon, they've clearly lost faith in because Latavius Murray has been kind of the guy Latavius Murray does not offer much in the passing game, but what we saw before Javante Williams got hurt, was Javante Williams be heavily used in the passing game. They clearly didn't feel that way about Melvin Gordon, who I believe is approaching 30. I actually think that Chase Edmonds is a sneaky, interesting ad if you can go get him just because of his ability to catch the ball. And we've seen what Nathaniel Hackett's offenses have looked like in the past. And I think that part of the reason why this offense has struggled is because they haven't had the running back that they can throw the ball to, which gives them an added element that, you know, teams have to account for defensively. I would be, I would be willing to take a flyer on Chase Edmonds because at this point in time, what are you going to lose? Chase Edmonds, I'm not saying he's going to be a league winner, but as the bye weeks continue, he's a player that could fill in for you in a pinch. And who knows if he starts getting, you know, three, four catches a game, We may be talking about someone who, you know, much like Naheem Hines a couple of years ago and and Darren Sproles before him, you know, these these backs that don't get a ton of early down carries or don't get a ton of carries, period, but their value is so good in the passing game that they have to be rostered and to a point where they may be even borderline startable in a flex spot. I'm curious to see what the carry to involvement in the passing game delineation for all of these Broncos running backs will be. But again, 
it's not something we can parse out right now. Like I have Chase Edmonds again in one of in one. I think I'm not sure if it's in our our work league or if it's in a different league I'm in, but I I, I think it is in our work league. And I and Chase Edmonds like I'm not going to drop him by any means, but it, he just like like a lot and a lot of the guys we've talked about today are the kinds of guys who you don't always feel great about starting them, but you don't want to drop them either because there's, there is some use for them, right? Like these guys, you know, in every, every league, someone always offers you, like I got an offer the other day. I have Stefan Diggs in one of my leagues. And in that particular league, he is the wide receiver one overall. And it, it makes me think to myself, like people offer me things like it'll be like chase Edmonds and, Leonard Fournette and Christian Kirk for digs. And it's like, okay, like in, in a vacuum, I guess getting three for one is not a bad idea, but it's like it, it, none of those guys are good enough for me to make me think, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to like get out, get, get, get rid of divest myself of the, the dig shares, let's say. Right. So that's where all these guys, they, they kind of fall in that like dead zone to me where you can't really drop them, but you can't always start them. But again, maybe things in two weeks, maybe you were, we're talking about some of these guys a little differently um, before we go, wanted to get to the last big ish trade that might have a fantasy football impact. Chase Claypool, the other chase Canada's own chase Claypool as well uh, being shared, traded to the Chicago bears from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think the the skinny on the Claypool trade, Matt, is that this is great for Justin Fields. Probably not so great for any other bears targets just because of the amount they throw the ball, which is to say not a lot. And I guess it's like, it doesn't, doesn't really seem to make a difference for like any of Kenny Pickett, Deontay Johnson, or George Pickens, because it doesn't really feel like his absence is going to impact them getting, like maybe they get each get like one target more a game, basically. Yeah, and and the, the way I kind of look at it is this. it th- Maybe they will end up throwing the ball a little bit more because they have the that new shiny toy. I do think that in a way, it kind of makes Darnell Mooney a little bit more valuable week in and week out just because he may not draw top cover every week because Chase Claypool's there. Like, I mean, no teams are accounting for Demir Bird if we're having a real conversation or or Equinemius St. Brown or, you know, insert insert journeyman wide receiver here because that's basically what their wide receiver core is outside of Darnell Mooney. So I think there's some added value there. I think it hurts Komet, although he hasn't, you know, outside of the touchdown last week, hasn't really been relevant at all this season. So I I think there's some value for Chase Claypool there. Listen, Justin Fields over the last five weeks has looked like a much improved quarterback. I don't know what changed because the offensive line still sucks. I don't know if it's a confidence thing, but Justin Fields looks a lot better. I think, like you mentioned, Justin Fields is the biggest beneficiary of all because he gets another guy that he can trust throwing the ball to. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I, again, this may not be a, a, an option that is immediately, you immediately see the dividends for uh, when it comes to Justin Fields. But I, I dare say by the end of the year, if like, if you give fields more options or just more help period, he will probably be better. Right. I mean, again, I'm not saying this is the equivalent of Tua getting Tyreek Hill or Jalen hurts getting AJ Brown. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying it's that, that by any means, but just providing your quarterback with more options to throw the ball to Josh Allen getting Stefan Diggs also comes to mind, right? You, you providing any of those guys more, more talent around them on the offensive side, they will probably have a better chance to succeed. I think that's probably the, the bare way of looking at it. Hey, bare way. I didn't mean to say that, but there you go. So um, you, you, that's the only way you look at it. 
And Justin Fields, fantasy-wise, has actually looked a lot better in the last, let's say, two to three weeks than he did to start the season, which was a real dismal start. But it definitely, to me at least, Matt, it suggests that the Bears are saying to their head coach, Eberflus, to go out there, take care of the defensive side of the ball. I know they just traded away Roquan Smith to the Ravens, but that was probably uh, we were never going to be able to re-sign him at the cost he wants anyways because interior linebackers are not a dime a dozen, but like guys on that level, if you are not, if you don't have like a Hall of Fame Ray Lewis type, you probably can afford to trade him away and get like relatively speaking similar production. But the Bears, I feel like, are saying, hey, coach, Go out there, take care of the defensive side of the ball. We're going to give Justin Fields a couple more toys to play with, and we'll see what his development looks like from now until next year in 2023. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. They need to figure out what Justin Fields is, and I think we're I think we're getting close to figuring out that Justin Fields is an NFL quarterback, and a very good one at that. Um, but yeah, this is very much a learning season for the Chicago Bears, and I, I would like to see them let Justin Fields throw the ball 35 times a game. I mean, they have the running back. Sure, I get that. They want to run the ball, but why not let him sling it and see what happens? Th- their thinking is at this point, and I know the, you know the Roquan Smith deal, they, they deal away a, a very good player, but they're still within striking distance of a playoff spot because the NFC is so bad. I mean, and I think that's I think that's where some of the hesitation is. It's like, okay, let's, you know, let's try and run the ball, let's clock, let's try and game manage, but Man, Justin Fields, and not only his ability with his arm, but of course his legs, the way he's been able to move the ball with his feet, it's just been a treat to watch. And that they put up a lot more points on that Dallas defense than I thought they were capable of. Yeah, you know what? That I I agree with. I know the Dallas defense still had a pretty good game, pretty good game, good day, fantasy point wise. But all things considered, I I, I definitely agree. Justin Fields himself still had a pretty decent outing. Um, I I will say this: like of all of the QBs drafted in that draft, and again, it's only been like ha- hasn't even been a full. Like, I guess it's been just over a full calendar year, I should say. But when you look at all the guys like the Trey Lance, he got injured. Mac Jones, he's been dealing with an injury as well so far for much of the season. You look at uh, Justin Fields, you look at Zach Wilson. I mean, Justin Fields, he's been healthy, which is great because all three of those other guys have had some pretty bad injuries over the course of the season. But Justin Fields has definitely looked the most poised. Like if you're comparing just even just Fields and Wilson, I don't know. Like, I I think I'd, I'd probably take... I'd probably take Justin Fields. If you swap swap them, pardon me, and you put Fields in the Jets right now and you put Wilson on the Bears right now, I still feel like I would have some pretty good confidence in Justin Fields succeeding with guys like Garrett Wilson and so on, right? Like that not you can never compare situations one to one, but Fields definitely looks like he is getting better faster than some of these other guys. Uh for the record, I had Justin Fields as better than Trevor Lawrence when he was coming out of Ohio State. So We'll see how. What's up with Trevor Lawrence these days, anyways? What's up with that? I don't know. What's going on with them? It's it's it it just it doesn't look good right now. I think the offensive line. I think it's regressed a lot from the beginning of the year. I think that's part of the problem because Travis Etienne has been just fine, but in pass blocking, Trevor Lawrence just is not getting any help, and and it's been a real disappointment after the start that he had. Yeah, hey, I I definitely thought like the Jaguars offense looked absolutely ridiculous for the first like what three games, and then it's not that they have fallen apart, but they, it it doesn't look quite as impressive. Christian Kirk doesn't look that impressive. Travis Etienne though looks like the real deal, doesn't he? Like he he is like the the bell cow. He's the guy we've all been waiting for. We did the buy sell hold thing on Etienne a couple of weeks ago, like maybe like three or four weeks ago, maybe more. And uh, now that he is the guy, 
Oh, Matt, he looks great. But the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, I think they're, they're obviously not a completed product and probably won't be for a couple of seasons. So the jury's probably still out like on all of the QBs from last year's draft class. But hey, Justin Fields looks great. And uh, I'm crossing my fingers as someone with a lot of shares of Kirk and ETN that Trevor Lawrence uh, looks a little better as well. Um, before we go, uh, Thursday night game is the uh, Eagles at Texans. And of course, the, the only reason is interesting to me because I think most people expect the Eagles to just absolutely crap on the Texans because they're really good and the Texans are really bad. Uh, I think the only reason this is interesting to me is because somehow this game Philly at Houston will be the exact opposite of the World Series. Houston is going to be in Philly for I guess it will be game four the game six, I think no game five of the world series. If I'm, if I'm remembering correctly after the postponement game three goes later tonight, I just, uh, I, that's that there's nothing really more to say on that other than I, that's, that is the weirdest scheduling oddity I've seen in some time. Yeah. And the game is going to suck. It's, it's going de- <laughs> to like the world series is definitely going to be better than that game. I hope so. God, I, I think, I think the Eagles are just gonna, like, that could be a 30 point blowout. Type thing. You know that now that you've said that, it's going to be like Jalen Hurts is going to throw. Yeah, he's going to throw like four picks. Damian Pierce is going to have like eighteen carries for sixty-five yards and a fumble. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be like yeah. a ten-three game. <laughs> Just like I thought the Monday Nighter was starting out to be, and then it turned into an absolute disaster for the Cincinnati Bengals. Which, whatever. It happens. Jacoby Brissett just lights up the Bengals. Ooh. You know, because because we are so used to that. Oh man, I just I gotta say I didn't expect the um, the Bengals offense to look so like I don't know if lost is the right word, but I mean horrible, maybe, yeah, horrible just, was the word. Horrible with, with no Jamar Chase, it looked it looked pretty listless, right? But hey, maybe that maybe that changes. Boyd still caught a touchdown, Higgins still caught a touchdown, so maybe that's what's in store at least production wise for those two wide receivers. Even if the Bengals aren't going to be winning a lot of games, Joe Mixon, eh, I have my doubts on Joe Mixon as to whether or not he's going to be super fantasy relevant the rest of the way. But I mean, I guess if you're on a high ish powered offense, like we were talking about before with other guys, you always want some pieces of that, but um, I will, uh, I digress. We will continue the uh, start sits and the discussion for every week, nine game after Thursday night, certainly on Sunday morning from eight to 10 AM Eastern on the fantasy show. But Matt, uh, best of luck, best of luck watching either the World Series or Thursday Night Football, whichever tickles your fancy, and I'll talk to you on Sunday. Yeah, we'll talk to you then. I'm sure those games will be watching me at that point. I think so, yeah. I think that I'm I'm secretly hoping for the World Series to be over in five games so my work schedule for next week doesn't get too messed up, but something tells me this game, this series will be settled one way or another in Houston on either Saturday or Sunday. But that's Matt Marchese. I'm Show Ali. Again, we'll talk to you on Sunday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.